This is Transistor.fm. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2022. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. I'm Justin Jackson and I do marketing. I'm Helen and I do customer success. I'm Jason, also a software engineer. We got the whole band together. We do. John, this is the this is the most people we've had in our recording uh, closet. It is. We'll see how this works. It's, it's pretty it's pretty tight in here. <laughs> well, it's good to have, I mean, w- the whole reason we started this show is because we knew if we were going to be working on Transistor, we needed to have a podcast and feel what it was like to podcast. Uh, J- Jason, is this your first podcast ever? Absolute first podcast ever. Absolute yep. first. Helen, I know you've been on, you've been on quite a few podcasts actually as a guest. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. I, I, I can think of at least three or four times I've heard you as a guest. You've been on so, uh, Startups for the Rest of Us. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, probably about five, five or six, something like that. Yeah, perfect. A seasoned veteran. A seasoned veteran. Well, I think, so just as a background, uh, Helen started working with us full-time April 27th, 2021. And Jason started working with us full-time August 3rd, 2021. So... Helen's one-year anniversary is coming up, and then in the summer, it'll be one year for Jason as well. Yeah. Does it feel like that long, Helen? It does, yeah. I guess um, with me kind of starting in kind of like a, a temporary kind of um, capacity in 2019, it feels a lot longer because there's kind of yeah. no differentiation between um, part time and full time. It's just it's just all transistor. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was the the nice thing is that you were helping us out part time, and then able to move into a full time role. How about you, Jason? How does it feel like you've been working for us forever, or does it feel brand new? It kind of feels a little bit like both. The time sort of has a weird uh, amount of distortion over the last couple of years. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it feels like both for me with Jason, just because I've known Jason for so long. Yeah, and worked with him before, yeah. so it's like, kind of feels like a long time, but also doesn't. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it feels like we've always because we do these weekly meetings. We just had one, and sometimes it feels like we've been doing those forever, and then uh, other times it feels like, wow, we're still just a new team trying to figure out how to work with each other and how to, you know, <laughs> make make this work as a as teammates. You know, I, I thought it would be just to ease in to us all four being on the show together. We were just in this meeting and this idea of the YouTube integration came up. Uh, and Helen, maybe you could describe, like, how does it come up in customer support when, what kinds of things are people asking when they mention this feature? First of all, a lot of things is we get really great feedback uh, about the integration. Um, it's kind of something that perhaps some transistor customers don't even know that's there. Um, it may be a little bit tucked away, but I guess the people that do find it um, take the time to let us know how much they enjoy using it and how helpful it's been uh, just to kind of like syndicate um, the podcast across to YouTube and just to kind of put their audio in a video format and also do their back kind of go through and do their back catalog of all previous episodes and kind of get those onto YouTube like immediately. So 
uh, yeah, I guess um, mostly it's positive feedback. And then the kind of questions we get are, you know, what else can it do? Is there a way of changing things, changing things around or um, adding more custom features like custom artwork and things like that? Um, yeah, so I guess mostly it's kind of positive feedback and people wanting more of the same. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is a deep cut for Build Your SaaS listeners because this YouTube integration played it, it played a, a key role in early episodes, John. Do you, Did it? <laughs> well, in the sense that we talked about it a lot uh, in this uh, because it was a, a pain initially. So I and maybe you don't even remember. Do you remember like there was like issues about it? It, it caused a lot of customer support initially, and then. What exactly happened? Like for a while, Google implemented a new. No, I yeah, it was it was painful. I mean, it worked for a while. There was we had to get we had to go through this verification process to to increase our number of accounts that could connect through our like API integration with YouTube. I think at one point we were capped at like only a hundred people could actually auth their accounts to transistor through YouTube, and then. In order to raise that, you had to go through this verification process that included like recording a video and telling you, telling them how you used it. Uh, and it took it took like six or nine months or something like that to actually get it approved. And I and Google is like a sort of a black box of emails if you ever want to send an email to them. But I think what happened is it they were sending it back to the wrong email address or something, <laughs> or there was just like no way to hear back from them. Yeah, and no support and or anything like that. Finally, got it figured out, so we turned it back on. But there was definitely a time where we were thinking of just removing it because, I mean, we removed it from the app for a bit for new users, but yeah, uh, we were just going to cut it entirely because it was kind of a pain. Yeah. So now I think this is that's the background, and it, this is what's interesting about bringing on new people is that I think it's pretty easy, especially when you've been working <laughs> on something from the beginning to just get uh, cranky about things like this, just be like, well, I mean, I've had conversations with people where I'm like, we're just going to tear this thing out. Like, it's just a pain. And all I have is the old memories of mm -hmm. doing customer support and people going, it's not working or it synced wrong or now it's not, it's disconnected. And when you have those early experiences, sometimes it's like, okay, well, that's just the way it's going to be forever. But uh, maybe this is a time for us to reevaluate that with uh, the fresh blood we got here on the, yeah. on the show. I don't know if Jason's really touched that at all, though. Have yeah, you? have you touched that yet, Jason? I, I haven't. I've looked at it a bit, only because it's sort of loosely related to some of the audio processing stuff. Um, but I've, I've withheld jumping in. Does it process, like, the processing stuff, is, it, uh, is that still a problem? Does it process, like, ha having to process all that video and stuff, is that still a problem really. or is it fine? Okay. No, it's, I mean, it's slower than audio, but it's not, it's not terrible. It's, you're basically stitching together an audio file and an image, an image that's on a loop of like one or two frames per second. And you stitch it together with the same command line program we use for our audio uh, processing. Okay. And Helen, have we, because I... I'm actually a little bit disconnected from this now. Is do we get a lot of bugs of, of complaints about the YouTube? Like, is it 
do you have that sense of like, this is maybe the sense we used to have was it was too costly to support this thing. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I guess that's one consideration when you kind of build an integration, you always end up doing a little bit of support for whatever company you're integrating with, whether that's YouTube, <laughs> um, you know, Apple, Spotify. Um, just, so just, far, as an aside, just as an aside, what, if we were, if we we're going to talk badly about uh, other companies, who do we do the most support for out of all the companies, do you think? What's, what's our top three or four do you think? I'm remaining neutral like Switzerland. I mean, Apple and Spotify have to be up there. <laughs> it feels like we do a lot of support for Apple and Spotify still, but I don't see YouTube as much. No, no, I guess. I mean, I think there was a point where we were answering a lot of questions about why the YouTube integration isn't wasn't working um, and kind of trying to set people's expectations based upon us perhaps not yet having an, had an update from uh, or kind of clear communication. I think we are fortunate that a lot, lot of our partners do kind of communicate well with us, though. So um, we can kind of pass on that information. It's more a case of like educating people on how things, uh, kind of changing their expectations on how things are going to work. Um, so what are the, what is the scope of the integration? You know, are they expecting something to happen that isn't actually part of the feature set of the actual integration? So. Um, yeah, a lot of it's just kind of passing on the information and, and helping people based on our previous knowledge of perhaps fixing various issues 10 times over. <laughs> yeah. But, but has YouTube been coming up as much lately? Is it, is it like in terms of it not working, in terms of there being customer support, or is it more just people are interested in it now? No, I think it's um, since the um, kind of auth issue was fixed, there's very little support need really. Um, but the trouble is if something does go wrong, it's then how do we go about communicating with Google to fix those issues? So if we did expand upon the integration, um, you know, how, how many more kind of features, what kind of feature set can we support, um, without kind of having better communication with the YouTube side of things? That's actually an interesting way. I haven't even, I've never thought about it like that. Where you, one of the questions you're asking right now, Helen, is like, well, we could make this better and promote it more, but if something goes wrong, who do we talk to? Like, do we have any channel to YouTube right now? Because now we have it with Apple and Spotify, but. I don't think we do. I don't think we ever have. It's like, yeah, almost no support for the API stuff beyond just a bunch of documents. Yeah. Unless, probably unless you're a huge company and have a direct contact but yeah that's de- that would definitely be an issue uh, on the flip side like i just had i think i posted this in our slack but jonathan stark who does the ditching hourly podcast he just like impromptu raved about that youtube integration like he said i just found this and he's like it just feels like magic and, like suddenly my show is on youtube and in parallel, right now, the podcast industry is talking a lot about YouTube. So Tom Webster with Edison Research is saying, listen, all you, all you cranky old podcast purists, you might not like YouTube. You might think that nobody listens to podcasts on YouTube. But the truth is, people do listen to podcasts on YouTube. It's becoming, um, I can't remember, it's like number two, I think, in terms of actual uh, listens. 
And so he said, you can try to avoid it, but you're just, you're just um, in avoiding the inevitable. It's something that you're just going to have to accept. And podcast movement, the big conference, the keynote speaker is the new head of podcasts at YouTube. We need his email address. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I should get that. Uh, I'm actually going to be, I, I'm not going to that version of the conference, but they're the, the same time I'm in L.A. for family vacation is the conference. So maybe I should try to sneak out and go to one of the parties and uh, get that guy's email. <laughs> what do you think about all this, Jason? What, what, what are some of your thoughts about whether we should improve this feature, promote it more, or should we just hide it, keep it in the closet? Yeah, it's interesting. The, I mean, we've gotten, we've gotten a few people that have pinged us about doing like video podcasts. So it's like this, this is sort of, you know, copying audio with some static image to YouTube, which to me, like you said, I, I don't know who's sitting there going to YouTube to listen to something. Like, I don't, I don't know who that person is. Apparently they, they exist, but, um, but certainly getting, getting into more video content, that stuff starts to make a lot more sense. I don't know how you and John think about this because you actually have to build it. But when you're hearing customers and and remembering being a customer yourself, like when I was a podcaster, it's just like anything that happened automagically, like I published something and then a series of auto automatic magical events happen. Like I publish an episode, it automatically tweets it for me. It automatically publishes a little video on YouTube for me. It automatically, you know, one thing I would love to do is for us to automatically create little promo video clips that can get published on LinkedIn and Facebook. And there's something about that feeling of it just happening, like all this 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 magical sequence of events happening every time you publish, you know? We've talked about like, uh, well, with private podcasts, we automatically email all of your subscribers. And there's just this kind of magical thing like, wow, I don't need to do that now. I don't need to notify everybody about the episode. It just happens. So what for you and John, like, what are some of your thoughts about like, when like, because it is cool, like, it, there's something cool about it. And we could make it cooler. Like right now, it's just a static image. But we could put a little wave animated waveform on it. We could uh, automatically generate an image. Like Helen, you were saying someone was asking about, I didn't quite understand. Like there's people expect you upload a thumbnail and what's the expectation and what did they want? What were they saying? Yeah. So people are already going to the trouble of adding individual episode artwork. Um, and there was kind of like an expectation that that artwork would then be maybe a unique um, custom thumbnail for the video um, whereas currently we just use one static image which is both the thumbnail and the background image for the entire video so okay. at the moment any podcast episodes that get uploaded all have that kind of same image um, and it would be kind of nice if you've got different guests each week to have that mm -hmm. unique artwork showing up on YouTube too. Well, and, and Jason you see how this inter interlaces with the stuff we're doing with podcast websites which we can talk about in a while but if we have uh, an object called host and an object called guest, and both of them have a image attached to them, it's theoretical we could generate those cool images automatically that have like 
the host image and the guest image and the name of the podcast, right? Yeah, that would be cool for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff we could do to improve it. Um, I don't know where it's, where it's at on our roadmap. I mean, the, <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, custom images and backgrounds and animated backgrounds. And, and right now, like, you know, we, we've had the YouTube integration around for a while. And then we also added dynamic audio so you can add ads and stuff like that to your audio. But that stuff doesn't get synced to YouTube. Yeah, that's I mean, a good point. I mean, doing that would be, I think, probably kind of impossible because you can't replace a video on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and we don't really mention that right now in the YouTube integration. We're not like, you know, your, your audio is going to be in sync on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever gets uploaded at the time that the episode's published is what's going to be on YouTube. Yeah, that's a really uh, good point. There's no, way for, there's no way for a customer right now to like delete it from YouTube within Transistor and then re-upload it. Yeah. Which we've done for people manually, but there's, you know, there's all sorts of little things that have really, I mean, the YouTube integration, we haven't really touched in a couple of years probably. And besides Jason and I working on fixing a bunch of bugs with our scheduling system. Mm-hmm. So we had, we had a, a, a few problems with people with the Twitter integration being like, oh, I, pu- I published an episode and my, uh, it didn't get automatically posted to Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're like, that's weird because it looks like it should have. Yeah. So we had, there was something we did where we updated our scheduling system and kind of broke it. And we had to figure out this whole timing system. Uh, and that's kind of where the magic breaks down, right? It's like, it's yeah. magic until it's not. And then Jason and I have to like <laughs> dig into it and be like, why, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I honestly forget what we, what the problem was. I don't know that we ever, like it was some kind of weird timing issue. Like, I don't know that we ever completely tracked down what the issue was. No, there but was we, I think we did figure it out and it was really stupid. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. Maybe I just expunged it from my brain because I didn't want to (laughs) know. I mean, that's the other point is that underneath every magical feature is uh, a developer that might be stressed out about it, that it's all going to break. (laughs) The magic is actually someone just manually running a bunch of things every hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was not the case for us, but... It's like people love that hot water when they turn on the taps, but the plumber knows what's really holding everything together down in the basement. Right. There's some guy with a blowtorch on a pipe and he's heating the water. (laughs) Somebody that gets up every morning and (laughs) hits the pipe with a wrench, (laughs) gets it going again. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the other thought I had when you were saying that, John, was sometimes in product development, like you can have ideas like we've had this, this loosely held philosophy called wait and see, (laughs) right? Like, should we do this? Well, let's wait and see. And sometimes that's a reaction to the market. Like, let's just see what the market does. Like, does the market still want this thing in six months? You know, like uh, six months ago, or maybe it was a year ago, everybody was super excited about uh, live audio rooms like Clubhouse and Twitter Spaces. And, uh, you know, we were kind of like, well, let's wait and see. And then, you know, it turns out that that is not as, it's still around, but it's not as uh, frothy as it was. But the same can be true with product development, meaning wait and see. And there's, we can already see there's like all of these um, adjacent things that we're building up, like we're building up podcast websites, we're building, which may eventually mean we generate 
automatic images for the social image on podcast websites. And then that's one piece of this. And then as the product kind of gets, the scaffolding and the product gets built up, sometimes when you wait, uh, maybe in whatever, six months, we'll go, you know what? The timing's kind of good now for us to augment this YouTube uh, integration. Yeah, there's definitely, yeah, there's that. There's definitely one piece that we've been working on in the background that having dynamically generated images for is we kind of need that, but we haven't built that out yet. So once we have that in place, we can kind of use that yeah. technology for a couple different things, which would be nice. Well, and even like uh, transcripts are now a th- an, uh, an object in Transistor. And maybe in the future, it'd be like, it's actually not that hard to add uh, transcripts on the video, you know, when we render it. Or uh, So there's all this other stuff that kind of get built up at the same time. Uh, I think we should talk about a little bit about podcast website stuff. Yeah. You guys okay to change gears? Yeah. Any, anything else, Jason or Helen, that you felt like we should be talking about? I still think we should have a bouncing Transistor FM logo in the background for the YouTube, oh, video, uh, YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> Like the bouncing DVD logo. Yep. Hey, do you want to start your own podcast? Head over to Transistor and use my coupon, transistor.fm slash Justin. You'll get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting. We should. I agree. I agree. One of the things we talked about after John and I did our founder retreat was this idea of how do we become the most recommended podcast hosting option and I think, like, John, yeah, I mean, you, that website, the, the podcast websites we have, so every, that's one of the benefits, right? And this is something you did when you were building Simplecast as well. You, you start a Simplecast account, and you get this beautiful uh, built-in podcast website, so you don't have to host it on WordPress and everything. And we did the same with Transistor, but the initial one you built was, like, ne- never really intended to be for everybody, right? No, it wasn't. It was, it was, it was built for the Cartoons Humanity podcast that they did, the Good News podcast. And then we just sort of just stuck with it and expanded on it a little bit. And it really hasn't changed since 2020. I mean, it's or 2019 yeah. or no, 2017, <laughs> late 2017, I think, I think. Think about how many of those websites have been built. Yeah. Like, including, like, when you think about in our industry, we don't have super high churn, but, you know, let's say it's whatever, 3% churn. That means there's, like, it could be six, seven, eight thousands, eight thousand versions of that website have been built at some point, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about. <laughs> and it definitely, I mean, it, it's showing its age and people request things all the time, but we just haven't added really anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have people like doing crazy hacks. I mean, in some ways it was, it was cool because you got to see how far people could take that simple design you did. Like, right. And then you can, you can post in custom CSS. I mean, it's basically like a MySpace page, right? You could yeah, <laughs> kind of do whatever you wanted to with CSS. <laughs> yeah. Which was cool, but it was time to, to, uh, build something else. So, uh, Maybe, Jason, why don't you describe how you and John started working on this? So we said, okay, we want to build a new system. And this has always been too big of a project for us to 
to like, we're always like nervous about it because it's basically we're building a CMS and then we have to figure out how we're going to template it and all that. So how did you and John start working on that? I think we, we have both kind of been thinking about it the same way. Like there, there's like a lot of interrelated stuff that we want to build. Um, John had thought about using liquid, um, which is a, it's a templating engine that Shopify uses, um, to let people sort of build their own sites or purchase sites off the shelf and roll them out. But, um, like rather than kind of revamp our existing websites, it made a lot of sense to to build a framework that we could build several different websites or a bunch of different websites on, and then people could roll out these different themes. Um, so that was sort of the approach that we took, um, and we've been working we've been working on that um, as we speak. Technologically, though, it's it's gone through a couple different thought processes. Like, I think we we kind of went back and forth on this a lot, Jason and I, about how to actually build this thing and like serve up the websites. And I don't know if you want to speak about that, Jason, but your initial ideas for like a standalone, a standalone app that, you know, runs the website templates from like kind of a separate infrastructure. Yeah. Well, we, a couple different iterations, like one, the very first thing that um, that I was thinking about doing is is just rolling out, sort of having an engine that that builds a static website and that just like lives somewhere, um, and we sort of moved on from there onto um, a completely separate application from Transistor FM. Um, Why did like you something... move on? Why did you move um, on from that idea? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it was really just around. I think the main problem was um, SSL, right, John? Um, yeah, it was how do we do that and get everyone to have their own, yeah, custom domain with SSL without having to like kind of rebuild what we do or we would have had to mess with our DNS, I think, a little too much. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I mean, there's certain there's certainly something compelling about it. Um, like if if you just have static files that you're serving, you can, you can serve them extremely quickly. Um, yeah. But yeah, the nuts and bolts around it were just going to be too complicated. I, th- I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of the discussion too was like, how do we build this in a way that when we roll it out, customers won't notice? They won't have to do anything. Like they won't have to change their DNS. They won't have to like. I think if we had gone a different route, people would have had to basically update their DNS settings in Transistor or in their in their you know wherever they buy their domains. And it's just trying to avoid that pain for customers. I think was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Once you get that set up, okay. So how? Did, so then, how did you go on from there? You decide you're you're not going to go the static generator route. What What did you do next? There was there was still sort of this this idea like the that the websites would like live on this separate thing. Um, and I'm a I'm a big fan of Go and sort of often looking for places to jam it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it made a lot of sense because there there is a, a liquid engine implementation in Go that's really really fast. Um, just sort of on a whim, I, I built out like a, a little like proof of concept one day to to try that out, and it, it worked pretty well. Um, but we wound up running into a bunch of technical challenges as well. Also, um, having having a, a liquid engine in Go, and then our actual um, you try to it's initial implementation in Go. Is is that? But is that the receiver application you built, or is that the the next thing? Um, yeah. So this is receiver. So th- this actually worked out really well because we wound up using um, this Go tool as uh, like a development tool rather than the actual um, 
website itself or the actual yeah. like web server itself, um, which is it's sort of an easier like it's a command line tool, so it makes it a little difficult um, for a lot of people to use, but it it's easier to implement for us than to build some kind of like editing front end so you can create templates and save them in different folders. Um, like if you've ever played around with Shopify, it gets, it gets really complex and to build, to build the UI around that, it would take forever. Whereas this just lets you kind of just build stuff locally on your computer and you can immediately see what it looks like and you don't have to, there's, there's no like crazy UI around it. Yeah. You just connect it to your account API. Helen, you got it set up, right? Did you try it? Yeah, I've tried it, yeah. I've um, been uh, kind of looking at the receiver and looking at different liquid tags and just kind of um, getting a good understanding of like the kind of structure of what it is that we're building and how it's going to work. Um, and I kind of appreciate that really because uh, taking like a, a bit of an incremental approach to building new features, um, especially from the support side of things because... Um, it's kind of tempting sometimes to kind of release a fully fledged feature, um, both to your customers and to your support team at the same time. Um, mm. And it's kind of nice to be kind of part of um, that process of just having that general base level of knowledge enough to build upon as changes get made or as you know new new kind of um, updates come out and things like that. So yeah, because mm-hmm. we've kind of got to make sure that. Um, I've got enough knowledge to be able to troubleshoot that so that issues don't necessarily take up John and uh, Jason's time in the future. Yeah. I, I think there's the, also the advantage of having a team that where everybody has some technical knowledge, you know, like for you to be able to set that up, for me to be able to set it up, right? Like, and actually get it going and go through all the, the I, I, I went through all the dumb questions with Jason. <laughs> uh, but you know, having, and you've worked with Liquid in the past when you were working with other companies, right, Helen? Like, you've you've seen this templating language before. I think ConvertKit uses it. Yeah, ConvertKit uses it. Um, I've used Shopify in the past um, and kind of have an understanding of how their theme structure works. Um, but no, it's kind of interesting to kind of be part of that and just to be able to hopefully uh, share that with our customers in future so we can kind of give them a better understanding, educate them, write help articles and documentation on that as well. So yeah, yeah, kind of teaching me at the same time. <laughs> I was just going to say that's that's a lot of the win with, because um, there's a lot of different routes we could have gone f- for creating templates, but using, um, using Liquid and doing things in a similar way to how Shopify did them sort of immediately makes this accessible to however many hundreds of thousands of people have have like built themes on Shopify. Um, yeah. We ended up rebuilding our current or the classic template, we call it, which was the original template we launched with. We rebuilt that in Liquid mm-hmm. and rolled that out a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, the idea is if we did it right, nobody would notice. And I don't think anybody noticed. Did anyone notice, Helen? No, I don't think so. Oh, uh, there we go. It's a win. It almost didn't. F- feel like it happened like we 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 sort of we did like all this work we like rebuilt basically like the engine and internals of a car and then months later like flipped the switch and then heard nothing and nothing (laughs) changed it's kind of like maybe a couple of questions about um different individual elements within a website but nobody said have you completely replaced my entire website (laughs) yeah So then the, then the idea is we'll, we'll keep slowly building out additional templates um, 
I have one I built that's already in use by our website for Build Your SaaS, but that's it. And then yeah, we'll have to see if anyone notices. Yeah, well, we have a couple people, or at least one person lined up to build a new template, and we'll just go from there, and you know, add a handful of templates that people can choose from, and switch between, and customize in different ways, and mm-hmm. uh, eventually, I think the idea is to op- potentially open it up for people to create their own templates, uh, however, however they want to, and just use our liquid system, but. Yeah. We'll see where that end, where that ends up. Yeah, and then we Jason you also added localization uh which is like different language. You can it's actually pretty cool. I didn't realize you were going to do it this way, but you can just add like um uh um what do you call what do you call an appendage to a URL? A uh, query string parameter. A query string. Yeah. <laughs> an appendage. <laughs> like so, so why don't you explain how that works? Because it's really neat, and it's already live. Like it, it. We already have a few languages. That's like one of the huge wins. Well, there's there's like a few things that we get out of putting everything into these templates. Um, so we have this like translation filter that you can put on anything. So you just kind of like name a thing. So like the label is episodes, and then you've got that in French and Spanish and. German and whatever other languages we have. Um, yeah. So you can just tack on a query string appendage <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, see what it looks like. But you, you would generally just pick the uh, the locale for your website. So we went and looked and we, we've, we have thousands of non-English uh, language podcasts. Um, but if you rolled out a website, it was still going to be like the buttons and links and stuff were all going to be... Um, in English. So we're sort of going through those in order of, of how many we have uh, the most podcasts. So um, mm-hmm. Justin Justin just did French for us. Yeah, I just did the French translation. It's live, which is so cool. Like it, it, Helen, you must see this in support. Like there's people ask about that all the time. There's a French podcast, but all, all of our labels were in English, right? Yeah. And also the fact that our support software helps us to communicate in other languages, but yeah. our websites aren't. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it's definitely been kind of a deal breaker for some um, customers in the past that they, you know, they want to release uh, a website that they may use for their, their company that's primarily in the Netherlands. And, you know, obviously it's, um, we can only provide English only navigation. So even if they put their own content in the page um, in whatever language they choose, the, the sort of navigation and the core the core keywords of that page are still in English. So yeah, I think it's um, it's been something that's on the list for a long time and it's nice that we're sort of slowly rolling that out. Yeah, well, we knocked that out pretty quick. Jason Jason built that really quick. I don't even think, we weren't even really planning on doing that. Again, John, this is the advantage of having other people here. Yeah. <laughs> I I also like how we do uh, we, we do that weekly meeting where Helen kind of leads us through all of the things she's noticed in support because I think it can it can get easy to just forget about how people our customers are feeling and reacting. Like it's it's easy to have blinders of like, you know, I make an English podcast and so why would anyone need labels that are in other languages? And just having someone on our team that's constantly bringing that stuff up to us and going, no, listen, like people are still saying like it would be nice to have, uh, you know, some the labels in a different language. Uh, and there's been a few times where Helen's brought something up and then you were, well, any of us, like any of us can immediately make that change. That's, uh, you know, causing the 
friction. We see these trends and patterns emerge over time as well. Like if the same thing keeps coming off week after week, um, it kind of convinces us there's enough um, demand to make that change, especially if there's kind of like a big amount of work involved. Uh, we've kind of got to be convinced that it's um, worth making that change. Yeah, totally. Um, what, yeah, what, what else do we want to say about websites? We're getting close, right? Getting close. You're, you're building a theme picker right now, John. Yeah, we're getting close. Uh, I would say the new theme should be available, I don't know, maybe next week. Next week? Nice. How are we doing in terms of our yearly plan outline? Let's just take a look here. So we said our first cycle was going to be on podcast V1. And then the cool down was going to be February 14th to 25th. <laughs> Did you guys do a cool down February 14th to 25th? We forgot to cool down. No, we didn't. <laughs> you just kept grinding. And then cycle two was supposed to be February 28th to April 8th. And we thought we'd still be working on podcast websites and maybe the embed player, but we definitely haven't gotten there yet. Um, so we're, we're, we're pretty much on. We're, we're kind of where we thought we'd be. Yeah, I think we're doing pretty well. I think, I mean, we should probably get through all the website stuff we really wanted to do. I mm-hmm. think. In these two cycles of work. I think so. We were just talking about it yesterday. And like that theme picker, and each theme can be configured a little bit differently. Like they'll have different colors or some toggles or whatever. But once once that's out there with a new theme, that's sort of, that's the whole thing. Like that's new websites, new website themes. Yeah, there's another uh, big part of this, which we haven't really talked about, I think. Dealing with like free accounts for people. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's save that for the next episode we do. Because okay. I, I think, I mean, going back to like what's driving this, obviously we want to make the experience better for customers. We want to make the experience better for us, like supporting these old templates that were never really meant to be distributed at this scale. And ultimately, we want to have more people using Transistor. And Yeah, we want to the, bring in new customers. That was, the, that was the, definitely the big driving force. Yeah. And so this is like, this is the... This is what's going to draw people in. You know, the website is one of the things that people look at. Like, what does the built-in website look like? And I mean, I think sometimes it's hard, it's hard to forget, like, being a user and a customer. But like when you signed up for Tumblr and you started posting stuff and there was automatically a cool theme that you could choose and it just made you feel cool and made your content feel cool and made you want to share, you know, your Tumblr site. And... Um, or even like MySpace or whatever else we've used, you know, it, it felt, you wanted to share it when you felt good about it. Mm-hmm. And I think um, this is going to accomplish that. We're going to get, it, and it's always been, uh, frankly, like in, in customer support, Helen, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I I was always a little bit embarrassed about the website. Like, ah, okay, like I can't, people would ask me about it. I'd be like, let me just set it up for you because they couldn't do it themselves and make it look good, you know? And it it just feels so nice that we're going to have something that we can now feel good about, that we can just recommend to people. We know when they sign up, it's going to be like, it's going to feel good out of the box. Yeah. And it's cool that we can just kind of add in new templates as we want. If we find a designer who's like really, really excited about building a podcast website, then we can hire them and, you know, have a new template that, probably looks quite a bit different from what we already have. Yeah. Well, especially if they're customers. Like if we have customers signing up and they're like, you know, that's one thing, Helen, you could watch out for is if there's like somebody that 
is design inclined and they sign up and they're like asking questions, that's the, you know, that's the time to say, well, hey, let's talk about maybe you building something. Because having people that are podcasters themselves, they're putting a lot on the line. Like when they share a Transistor podcast website, they're putting a lot on the line. This represents them. This represents the show that they're Mm -hmm. putting all this work into. And so helping people feel good about that is such a, I know it's a, it's an awesome job to be done for us. Like let's as help a user feel good about sharing their podcast website, feel proud. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how people like take it and run with it as well, because it's always been kind of impressive to see what people have done with the existing templates um, Mm -hmm. with kind of even a minimal amount of customization. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of see what people create with it, really. And uh, it'll be good to keep an eye on what people are building. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're at about the 43-minute mark, so I think we're going to wind things down. Before we read out our Patreon supporters, uh, if you have questions, if you have questions for Jason and Helen, if you want to, you know, you want to know what's it really like working with a couple old pieces of coal like John and I, uh Tweet us. Get a hold of us somehow. I'll put all of our Twitter handles in the in the show notes, except for John. John's you can't reach John, <laughs> but you can no. you can reach John at uh, at Build Your Sass. <laughs> and I have email at, Justin. Come on, or or email me. <laughs> you can you can email us at shows at transistor.fm. Uh, but yeah, tweet us, message us, get a hold of us somehow. Uh, you can even go to our live chat widget and and chat with us there. And just if you, hey, I was listening to the show and I had this question. I want you to talk about the next episode, and we'll re- we'll uh, record those somewhere, and then we'll we'll have some material for the next time we get the band together. Yeah, I'm really glad we uh, finally got to do this. Yeah, yeah, this is I great. We've talked about it before. Um, but this is fun, and it's been. I don't know. I really enjoy the team we built so far. It's really fun working with everybody, and I think we're getting a lot of a lot of good work done with a very small team. Yeah. And I know I know initially Justin and I were both like hesitant to hire anyone full time. Yeah. But I think it's worked out really well. And I don't, you know, maybe there'll be someone else we hire. I don't know when, but uh, this seems like a pretty pretty good size for now. Yeah, I agree. So, John, why don't we read out our good Patreon supporters? Uh, yeah, do the shout-outs. Uh, thanks to everyone, as always, uh, for supporting us on Patreon. We have Marcel Fallet from wearebold.af, Alex Payne, Bill Kondo, Anton Zorin from prodcamp.com, Mitch, Harris Kenny from the Intro to CRM podcast, Oleg Kulik, Ethan Gunderson, Chris Willow, Ward Sandler from Memberspace, Russell Brown from photivo.com, mm-hmm. Noah Prail, Colin Gray, Austin Loveless, Michael Sitfer, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis from Fathom, uh, my brother Dan Buddha, Darby Frey, Brad from Canada, Adam Devander, Dave Junta, Junta, and Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. Thanks everyone for listening. Tell your friends about the show. Recommend an episode.
podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.